Blog Talk Radio. You've connected to Parkinson's Recovery. This is Robert Rogers, and this is an exciting moment for me. I have been doing uh, air shows using a teleseminar format now for quite a while, and I've been a bit disappointed because there's not been the opportunity for people to call in and have live discussions. So this is my totally new and exciting format to go Internet radio and connect with uh, many, many more people. The teleseminar format was also very limiting in that uh, it could only handle 200 persons. So we were beginning to have some frustrating people who uh, who were unable to actually connect and hear the show. Today, in addition to uh, hearing from callers, I'd like to have a follow-up of my uh, program last Thursday at 11 o'clock Pacific. Last Thursday, I talked about some fascinating discoveries that I made in consultation with a chiropractic doctor who practices just north of London by the name of Simon King. And I say these were exciting discoveries because uh, Simon's work uh, uh, led me to acknowledge how it can be uh, identified whether or not metals in a person's teeth or jewelry they wear or the carpet that they actually walk on uh, can be identified as a toxin that could be causing significant uh, issues in their bodies and also could be aggravating the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So this was uh, exciting for me to talk with Simon, and uh, as a follow-up, uh, to my interview with him, uh, which I actually uh, conducted in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, he did a little assessment on me and identified uh, the fact that I had a metal crown in my mouth. I was unaware of that, uh, but he identified the crown immediately, and we did some tests and identified that it was interfering with the proprioceptive communications uh, in my body. Uh, and so he advised that I get the crown out. Uh, I immediately did so. I came back to Olympia, Washington, uh, where I live and where we operate uh, Parkinson's Recovery out of, and I uh, made an appointment with my uh, biological dentist who removed uh, the crown from my mouth last Thursday. Uh, I feel much lighter and much stronger as a result of uh, that decision. Uh, so, uh, Simon uh, has a discussion now that I'd like for you to listen to about why he believes it's important uh, that we consider the possibility of uh, removing metal from our teeth. So I have a, a six-minute segment of that interview that I'd like to play for you now so you can get a sense of what his perspective is on how amalgams and metal in our teeth, as well as exposure to such items as jewelry and the potential of toxins in pillows and beds and chairs and carpets, might be aggravating and perhaps even causing the symptoms that we know are associated with Parkinson's disease. So here's Simon King, chiropractic doctor who practices in a clinic just north of London, England. For a person that, say, has significant leg pain, as is the case for some persons with the symptoms of Parkinson's, what would you recommend they might consider doing for themselves to get some relief from that pain, assuming that they're not able to come to uh, London, England, and get help from you? Well, uh, really, for, for anybody who's got a chronic health problem, you want to maximize your chances of being well. And to me, uh, 
with all of the knowledge and, and um, information and the theory that I have uh, gained over 20 years in practice, if I had a serious health challenge, the first thing I would do is remove all of my metal, if I had the, the ability and the finances to do that. So um, removing all my jewellery, taking away... Um, I mean, the dentistry is the, the biggest one, but it's also the most difficult. And so depending on how much dentistry I had and how whether that was uh, available to me, I would get rid of my dentistry. I would look at dentures. Dentures are a major problem as well, and that might be of interest to some of your readers, some of your listeners, um, because dentures have the potential to be toxic. Even denture paste has the potential to be toxic. So many people have dentures, and uh, what they need to know is that dentures are made from acrylics that have to be cured. And many people, especially if they're using um, denture cleaners, like, well, I won't mention brand names, but um, denture cleaners can, be, uh, can destroy the coatings on a denture and expose something that the denture is made out of, which is called monomer. And monomer is potentially very toxic. Now, people can solve this very quickly, um, either by sending it back to the lab to have it re-cured or to get their dentist to wave their ultraviolet light over it and to re-cure it. And one really novel way of doing this is to go to a nail bar where they do gel nails which use ultraviolet light to cure the nails and it's ultraviolet light that cures the monomer. So they can just stick their, their dentures under an ultraviolet light. These are also available on eBay. They're not very expensive. Um, and so... Uh, and the denture paste is very important. There are types of denture paste that are gels normally, and these gels can contain ingredients like petrolatum, which is, of course, made from petrol. And these things will uh, affect our bodies drastically. So I remember one delightful 83-year-old woman who said, I only have to walk... Uh, you know, 400 yards into town, but I just can't make it anymore. I can't get myself going. And to everybody else, they would say, "Well, you're getting old." But I took out her dentures, and we found a new denture, denture paste for her. Changed the denture paste, and that was four years ago now. Now she comes into me, and she says, "You know, every day I feel better and better." And she's now 87, and you know, feeling really great. So, little things that we're not aware of. Um, just try and get back to natural solutions and just keep changing the things that are irritating your body. Uh, so first thing is get rid of metal. Second thing, make sure your diet is good and you're eating good stuff. And third thing is watch out for environmental toxins. Try and take every, every environmental toxin out of your system. Uh, that's obviously a bit more difficult, but um, watch out for those. You've talked about dentures and fillings and metals and jewelry. Is it possible that there are other sources that could be the root cause of pain that would not necessarily be causes we'd think about, like the carpet that we walk on or the chairs that we sit on or the beds that we sleep on? Well, you know, all of those things that you mentioned um, have to be treated. And one of the biggest culprits for treatment is flame retardant chemicals. There are other things that uh, manufacturers have to do to make, well they say they're making it safer, so you might not, uh, you might be able to get out of a burning building, but it's not much good if it's poisoning you over the, 
the years that you have it. One of the, the keys to look for is for environmental toxins is how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel better than when you went to bed? Or do you feel worse? Because if you go to bed feeling okay and you wake up feeling lousy, there's a good chance that something in your bedroom is poisoning you. That would just make sense to me. Um, unless you're having something that is bad for you just before you go to bed, you know, some sort of drink or coffee or something. But normally, if you're not doing that, then you wake up and you feel much worse. You need to think about uh, your environment. And then if you go to another environment, like you go on holiday and you, you, that doesn't happen, again, that's even more evidence to think of your environment. Now, a few years ago, a study in Texas, um, they put the researchers put 300 individual samples of carpet in the airflow of four mice. And they did that for two hours, half an hour, twice a day for two days. And in 10% of those carpet samples, all four mice died. And in up to 60% of the carpet samples, uh, all of uh, they could see the toxic effects on the mice. That was in the Journal of Environmental and Nutritional Medicine. So um, when I looked at this, uh, I started to find some people who did feel worse when they woke up in the morning. I could see the effect on their muscle strength when they inhaled the fumes of the carpet. I recorded those on videos which you can find at the livewithoutpain.com website. And um, when they took away the carpet, they got better. They got better from the pain that was in their muscles, the fibromyalgia, they didn't take the need to take the painkillers, their chronic fatigue went away, all sorts of things happened to them just because they got rid of this poison that they didn't know was affecting them. Now, one of the fascinating uh, things that uh, uh, was revealed to me in my time and discussion with Simon King, that was a recorded uh, segment uh, of the interview that I had with him several weeks ago, is that uh, Simon told me that uh, he was uh, moving toward uh, educating osteopaths and other chiropractors and other healthcare professionals on how to do uh, diagnostic assessments and help people identify uh, what might be the uh, toxins that are creating problems, uh, physical problems in their bodies for. And uh, he said he was closing down his clinic just north of London. So I said, oh, my heavens, uh, you've spent 20 years. You've worked with people for a long time. You've identified uh, useful ways that can help people get well. And, you, and he, he's helped clearly many, many people who've had chronic conditions fully recover. I said, what's up? Why are you shutting down? Well, one of the reasons, as it turns out, was he said, I'm a really lousy businessman. He said, people will come to me uh, one time, sometimes two or three times, and when we identify the source of the toxin, they get well and they don't have to come back. And if you'll think about it, uh, chiropractors uh, basically depend on people coming back to them time and time and time again to get uh, adjustments over the course of their lifetime. But in his case, he cut to the core and identified some uh, issues that were clearly aggravating uh, chronic disease in the clients that he saw, and people basically got well. They got better. Uh, they became symptom-free. So he sees people basically with uh, conditions that the traditional medical community is unable to treat. People get frustrated, so they're at their wit's end, come to him, and over uh, 20 years' experience, he's been able to identify ways uh, where he can muscle test the body and actually identify what the source of toxins might actually be. 
I've done some subsequent thinking and research and, and work on thinking about the question uh, about how metals in our teeth uh, might be associated with toxic exposure and also how they might aggravate the symptoms of Parkinson's. Uh, we know from uh, Simon's work that one of the problems with metal crowns or metal in our teeth is that it interrupts the proprioceptive communication in the body. That is the communication between the muscles and the tissues in the brain. It's basically what the body uses in a continuous way uh, to know where all the parts of the body are. So through proprioception, the brain is able to know where the little uh, thumb finger on the right hand is relative to the little toe on the left foot. In other words, it's able to know exactly where all parts of the uh, muscles and tissues and bodies are at any particular moment in time. When metal is placed in the mouth, uh, whether it's through a, an amalgam, a metal amalgam, or through a, a metal crown, that proprioceptive communication is interrupted. It becomes distorted. And so the brain becomes confused about what signals it's actually getting. The reason why some people have uh, persistent pain in their bodies is because this proprioceptive uh, pulse is interrupted. So uh, by removing the amalgams, if that's the case, then clearly somebody can, uh, can uh, get well pretty quickly. I think there's another issue uh, that is at play here, and that issue turns on why is it specifically that one particular tooth uh, might be problematic? Uh, why is it that it began to disintegrate, or why is it that it began to have uh, uh, decay and had to be repaired? Uh, every part of our body, whether it's our, the palm of our hand, the sole of our, our feet, our tongue, the teeth in our mouth, is connected with every other part of our body. That's certainly what uh, acupuncturists learn when they go to their four years of training to learn how to be ac acupuncturists. There are meridians in the body that connect various organs with uh, various other tissues. That's also, of course, true for teeth. So there are uh, charts that people have constructed after considerable investigation and research that identify which specific tooth is connected to uh, uh, which particular meridian and what particular muscle. So if you're, for example, having a rigidity and difficulty with a left foot, it may be that uh, that particular uh, organ in our body is connected to a specific tooth in our mouth. So I began to think, well, I wonder for the tooth uh, that I had a metal crown on and have had now for about uh, 15 years, I wonder what organ that happens to be uh, connected to. And the answer turned out to be a couple of organs are at the top of the list. One is the spleen and the other is the pancreas. And that makes good sense to me. I've, uh, I've had, uh, especially in my younger life and be before I began on a healing journey, I uh, identified uh, problems with uh, sugar metabolism as an issue for me. So pancreatic uh, challenges have been a part of my life uh, for many, many years and uh, clearly were at, at, at big time play about 15 years ago when I had problems with that particular tooth. So what the work uh, really consists of, it seems to me, is not necessarily just addressing the metal. 
is probably going underneath that and addressing what is it that's the driving mechanism that's causing the disrepair in the first place. Now, that's a short way of explaining how we have proceeded here in our clinic of Parkinson's recovery here in Olympia, Washington. Uh, as many of you know who follow me now month after month, uh, I continuously interview individuals that give us great tips and ideas of how people can get good relief from their symptoms. So I consider all possible individuals as sources of good information. I talk with individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's, who give me wonderful tips and suggestions about what they're doing to get relief from their symptoms, and I report those in the form of recordings and books. I also talk to healthcare professionals, people from a wide range of modalities. Certainly we talk with medical doctors, but in addition we talk to naturopaths, psychologists, neuro-linguistic programmers, biofeedback specialists, um, uh, emotional freedom technique practitioners, and, and uh, aromatherapists, herbalists, Chinese doctors, you name it. And the list that I've just given you is a short list of the many, 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 many different individuals out there who are working with individuals that have the symptoms of Parkinson's and through trial and error and through some experimentation are reporting what approaches uh, are helping. And they're giving us our uh, stories about how many people are getting better and why they're getting better and what their suggestions are for what you can do to uh, join everyone else on the road to recovery. I think that's important work because uh, in many cases, uh, the physical body can be so debilitated that it becomes extremely difficult to be able to get back on track. Now, the, uh, the, uh, the next line of our investigation turns on the following. What, uh, what I have drawn the conclusion about is while all of that helps and while we've got story after story from uh, person after person that, that basically reports, yes, they are getting better, yes, uh, they are on the road to recovery, yes, there is one technique or another or one therapy or another that are helping them get better, what I have come to the conclusion about is there's a uh, deeper issues at play that are causing the symptoms to be present. And so the question turns on, well, why is it that more people aren't becoming totally symptom-free? There are many who are getting uh, much better. There are many who are stabilized. They're certainly not getting worse, but, uh, uh, but they're not getting a lot better. And then there are uh, another segment of individuals that are gradually getting better and making uh, mar marvelous uh, progress. But the question turns on, first, why is the progress relatively slow? Uh, the reports are it takes anywhere from two years to three to four, and some people were talking 10 or 11 or 12 years. So the time frame turns out to be relatively long. And so my question is, well, that's, that's a long time frame. Uh, the body does take time to heal, but I began to ask the question, why is that so long? And uh, what Deborah and I in our work have both uh, landed on is the, uh, the reality that there are uh, core seed thoughts that underpin the symptoms of Parkinson's and that once we begin to address those core negative seed thoughts and release those and replace uh, those particular thoughts by positive thoughts, then recovery is going to unfold much more quickly. 
that's the direction that uh, we specifically are moving in in the work that we're doing. And it involves talking with people and being able to identify what the core seed thoughts are that are most troubling to them. Now, there there is one general area uh, that we've identified in working with many, many people that have the symptoms of Parkinson's that turn out to be common to everyone that we talked with, and that is a, a concern that revolves around fears. So our work has revealed that uh, the core seed thoughts uh, all revolve around one fear or another that a person is carrying. And, of course, often these fears are unconscious. We do not hold them consciously. Uh, we do not think about these fears every day, but they are a deep part of who we are as an individual. So when I say fear, what I'm saying is that when that fear is suspended at the cellular level in our bodies, it means that uh, we are pumping out the adrenaline hormones and the hormones that are related to adrenaline. We are on the fast track. Uh, we are on super speed, so to speak, and the potential for balancing hormones then is very much degraded. Uh, there's little opportunity for us to be able to be in balance when we are in a constant state of fear. And again, now remember, this oftentimes is unconscious. What are the fears that are possible? Well, there are many that are possible. I've been recording meditations every day that are on the uh, member website, and, uh, and that identifies a number of sources of fears that people can hold. Those contain the, the, the core seed thoughts, and that's what needs to be released and then replaced by a new thought. Uh, and when that happens, uh, the work that we're doing reveals that things can begin to unfold quite quickly in terms of recovery. So what can be the uh, spread of fears that a person can hold? They can, they can be wide-ranging. It could be a fear of trusting another individual. It could be a fear of dying. It could be a fear of taking responsibility. It could be a fear of success or money or intimacy. It could be a, a fear of love, literally uh, receiving love or giving love. It could be the fear of a loss of uh, another individual or love. It could be a fear of uh, rejection. It could be a, a fear of abandonment, abandonment by those that we love. It could be a fear of failure. It could be a fear of being present now, in the here and now. It could be that we're much more comfortable to be in the past or the future, but it's not so great to be here right now. It could be a fear of change. It could be a fear of just basically living and having joy in our life. It could be a fear of being uh, disappointed of setting up expectations, for example, expectations of recovery, and then waking up uh, the next morning and realizing, oh, I'm disappointed because I thought I was going to be totally well today, and I am not. It could be a fear of abuse. Uh, there are clearly a long list of possible fears that we may be holding. And uh, if those fears are suspended, uh, then it seems to me that they're going to permanently uh, cause an imbalance in hormones, and so the idea that, that we're taking off with here and the work that we're doing is to begin to identify what the specific fears are that a person might have and then uh, release those fears and then uh, have a, a new replacement for the fear. 
uh, and that then provides the foundation for being for a person to be able to balance out their hormones and uh, and get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Now, I have some people uh, who are on the air, and uh, I've never done this since this is the first uh, Internet uh, radio program I've ever done, but I'm going to see if we can't engage some discussion and have some uh, questions or some uh, comments from people who are actually uh, connected here on the phone. So I'm going to connect here on the first individual and uh, see if anybody is there at the other end. Hello, this is uh, Robert. Hello. Hello. Dr. Rogers? Yes, yes. Hello, this is Marie Judd. Hi there. Hi. How are you, Marie? It's good to hear from you. Hey, I'm so glad to see your your uh, new innovation here. It sounds great. Oh, wonderful. I had not gotten a chance to talk to you since we last had an interview, and uh, and that was so great, and I wanted to thank you so much for that opportunity. You're very welcome, uh, Marie. And for those of you who are listening, uh, I interviewed Marie. It's been now about two or three weeks ago, I think, wasn't it? Right. And uh, she was talking about uh, her husband's journey with Parkinson's and all the many different kinds of things that he's doing to be able to get relief from his symptoms. Mm-hmm. Well, it's wonderful to hear from you, Marie. Thank you for uh, uh, connecting in. Good. There's so much you're saying today that is so relevant. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I um, I'm really to the point where um, we we really had a couple of choices, and one was to pursue the slow recovery route and to say, yeah, there are things we can uh, cut at the edges in terms of recovery, and uh, and the other alternative is to begin thinking, wait a minute, if thoughts affect everything that happens in our lives then it makes sense that if we begin to clean up our thoughts, then we ought to be able to speed up recovery considerably. So uh, instead of making it an agonizing process, uh, Deborah and I are working on the, uh, on the principle that, no, well, I think this can be done uh, quickly. It's really a question of just committing and focusing and doing it. So that's the work that we're figuring out how to do. And we're actually getting help from a world-renowned uh, healer. Her name is Kim Sear. And uh, Kim has been doing revolutionary work in this particular area of cord C thoughts. So uh, Deborah's been going uh, to extensive training, medical intuitive training with a Kim Sear, and uh, she's been focusing specifically on figuring out ways that uh, we can actually identify the cord C thoughts that drive the symptoms of Parkinson's, how to release those cord C thoughts, and then uh, how to ultimately uh, reset them, so to speak. So uh, that's the work that we're aggressively pursuing right now here at the clinic in Olympia. So it's wonderful to hear from you, Marie. Thank you for checking in. You're welcome. Thank you. And this is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. And who's here at the other end of the line? Hello? Hello? I'm just, hello? Yes, can you hear me? Hi there. Hi there. It's nice to hear from you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Finally, yes. How are you, Doctor? Uh, well, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. It's good to hear from you. Well, I'm Joan Patrick from Kentucky in Lexington. Oh, my heavens. Yes, how are you? You're now again, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I lived in Kentucky for a number of years as a professor there at the University of Kentucky, so I know that well. I know you did, and I appreciate the, the emails I've gotten back from your office. I oh, good. I just want to know you're my lifesaver. Oh, I wonderful. To 
totally, totally, totally scared to death with this disease I got diagnosed with in September of 2006. And I, all, I, all I know is that I've been looking for something natural, and I found you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just keep the good work, and I'm going to stay right with you. Well, I, I will. So it sounds like when I talk about fear, that there, that very much resonates with you. It got to the core, yes, it did. And our experience is that it's, uh, it's the case with many people. Uh, for some, it's right, right at the top. And for others, if they dig a bit, they can, they can identify a number of the different uh, types of fears that I just listed. Yes, and I think I've probably, probably gone through most of them already. So. Right. I, I, it's hard to get rid of them, I tell you. When, you, when, you, when you're shaking and you're falling around, you have no balance and you have no strength and your neck is killing you and your toes are turning under and you're you know, on and on and on and on and on. I know. <laughs> You get into that negative thought form frame, and it's hard to shake it out. And I've, I've grown up mostly positive all my life, and, and this has just thrown me for a loop. And I don't, I don't like thinking negative, but I wake up right now with a lot of hope because of following your your um, recovery approach and um, your gentleman in Australia. I've, I've been communicating with him as well, and I, I, I just can't believe I found you. <laughs> so uh. I'm with you. You must be talking about John Coleman, who was the uh, naturopath doctor who had Parkinson's himself in the mid-'90s. And uh, John has written a book, uh, Stop Parking and Start Living, and uh, has a number of recommendations for people how they can uh, recover from the symptoms. Right. And his 12 points to, the, to recovery are, are, is very astounding as well. I know, right. and, you know God gave us this natural way of, of getting well because he, he didn't give us the chemicals that, that put us into these illnesses. And if we just go back and realize, you know, 50, 60 years ago, nobody knew these chemicals of what they are now, and we didn't have all these latent diseases popping up like they are just crazily. And I'm, I'm one that has been searching, and, I, and as I said, I, I, I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse here, but I found you. And the word recovery is all I was looking for, and I, I've been on this Internet for the last three, four months and just absolutely incessant just to make sure I found something that, that worked. And what you're doing, and, and then this, the discussion you had today with the, the contacts from, from London, it makes a lot of sense to me. And that's all I've asked for. It just makes sense to me because nothing else was making sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's exactly right. I, I had the very same reaction to Simon Kang. My reaction really was that uh, he was at the edge of discovery and uh, that he had, he had been able to find ways of figuring out what it is that is causing illness for many people. I was truly excited uh, to be able to connect with him and to, uh, uh, to be able to have the opportunity to interview with him. It's, I could tell the way you were talking to him today. I, could, I mean, you know, the way you were talking about him today, I could tell it was an exciting situation. And, you know, it really like, is. I, you would never know who you might run into, and uh, here this man is just from north of uh, London, England, and uh, he's the one who's doing work that I think is just ground-breaking work, and he really is able to explain to us how we are exposed to toxins everywhere in our lives today, just like you explained 60 years ago, this wasn't the case, but today... We can move into a house that has new carpet and immediately get sick and not realize what was really going on. Paint on the wall, you know, it, 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 it's, it's amazing of the toxins that they've put into these, all the building materials. It's unbelievable. And, and, and you know, you, you don't think about these things. And no wonder we're sick. Well, no wonder. Even uh, uh, mattresses and pillows and, uh, and chairs. 
it, we it, we go into a grocery store and there's MSG that's uh, placed on almost every food that's in a grocery store. If it's uh, you know not an organic store, it's um, it's quite amazing how. Uh, we really can't touch anything, walk anywhere, or smell anything without having some exposure to toxins. So, uh, well, you made me you made me aware, and that's all I. Uh, that's all I'm. I think that's really where I'm at. I'm, I'm now aware, and I'm watching everything I touch, everything I think about, everything I do, and of course, I'm 100% thinking of Parkinson's all day long. But on the healing side, not the, not the devastation side. I don't want to go there anymore. Oh, that's great. That's the positive way to think about it. Yeah, thank you, Doctor, and I'm going to stay right with you. I'm going to please keep emailing. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank Goodbye. You. Hello, this is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's uh, Recovery, and who is this? Hello, Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. And let me check somebody else here. I've got a whole list of people who signed in. Hi, this is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Hello? Hello, Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Did you have a question or a comment? I'm going to leave both these lines uh, open that I've just connected to see if, uh, if anybody here would like to uh, be able to join in in the discussion. So uh, what we're doing here in trying to understand how people can get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's is really a, a two-fold approach. One is that uh, for many people, the symptoms can get to a point where they really are debilitating, where an individual has difficulty in being able to uh, move and even eat and talk and communicate and basically live in the world. So I think it's, uh, it's critical uh, to be able to begin to consider the many different approaches, therapies, herbs that can help give a person relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's so that they can really uh, begin to feel a lot better. And so that's part of the work that we're doing, uh, interviewing people that have approaches and new ideas of being able to help people get better. So that's why, um, for example, in the Pioneers of Recovery, we've got interviews with uh, uh, Gene Oswald, who is an aromatherapist. And uh, the idea is asking Gene, uh, if, you, if a person has symptom A, for instance, rigidity, what essential oils would you recommend? And so we're getting people to tell us what they would recommend would be the most advisable therapies that a person could actually consider. And then, uh, for example, to talk with uh, physical therapists. So I've had uh, recent interviews with a number of uh, individuals, Kevin Lockett from uh, Hawaii in particular, who's got great suggestions on uh, what you can do in the moment if you freeze or if you have difficulty making a turn. Uh, Kevin's worked with people who had the symptoms of Parkinson's for 20 years, and he's got suggestions that are truly helpful and exercises that you can do on a daily basis. We're going to be uh, interviewing representatives, uh, researchers from the Cleveland Clinic next week, and uh, they're going to be telling us about the research they're doing on Parkinson's. And uh, they're going to, there's also a race for the cure, so they're raising money to be able to do research. And so we're going to talk with them about all the exciting research uh, that they've been doing at their clinic. And I think much of uh, that research actually centers on the questions of exercise. 
and how exercise can uh, be such a huge value and benefit uh, to a person who has the symptoms of Parkinson's. So it's clear uh, from interview after interview, from talking with people who have, who have the diagnosis of Parkinson's and who are finding ways to get relief, that there are many, many modalities out there that can uh, provide a huge relief. Uh, I'm scheduling uh, an interview uh, with a, uh, a national expert on emotional freedom technique, and uh, she has agreed to be able to actually work with one or two individuals uh, using EFT. She does it long distance. She does phone work with individuals. And so if you're interested in volunteering uh, to be one of her guests, uh, she'll be delighted to work with you. Emotional freedom technique is a way of uh, basically using uh, tapping and uh, basically making affirmations, positive af affirmations that are changing the neural networks in our bodies so that we can address those negative thought forms that maybe uh, we may be carrying inside our bodies. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in being a guest, uh, email me at robert at uh, parkinsonsrecovery.com, and you can be a guest on that particular program where we will, in great detail, explain what emotional freedom technique is, how it works, and uh, she'll actually work with somebody and uh, give you some suggestions on what you can do for yourself. This is one of those uh, self-help kind of things. So if you get on the Internet and simply type in emotional freedom technique, you'll get lots of uh, hits of uh, websites that have basic information about how it's done. So you don't necessarily have to go to a therapist to get help, but uh, we'll find out from her about specifically how she works and how she's able to help people be able to address uh, those negative uh, beliefs and uh, negative templates that tend to, 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 to carry us down into a state of illness and, uh, and uh, uh, de de uh, 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 disrepair, I guess I should say. Uh, so... We've uh, got also tomorrow uh, a teleseminar. This is not the, uh, the blog host radio, which is a new experience for me, but we have uh, a uh, guest, uh, a woman who is a professor from the uh, University of uh, Louisiana who's written a number of books, uh, and she essentially has studied uh, meditation living with uh, women who are uh, in Japan. And so the quite remarkable thing about uh, her particular story is that uh, she uh, knows about how meditation can help individuals who have chronic conditions and who are, are, are feeling particularly ill for one reason or another. So she's going to talk about her books. She's going to talk about her research. She's going to explain what meditation means to her. And that's in a whole series that I've been doing on meditation. We've, we've identified uh, through discussions with many people that, yes, meditation does make a difference, uh, and people are reporting that they're getting great relief from their symptoms by using meditation. And so well, the good news is that uh, the more you know about meditation, the more you'll be encouraged to actually use that as a regular and a, and a daily practice. It's very clear from all of this work that uh, meditation is nothing mysterious. It's a very common thing to do. There are many different approaches to meditation, so there's no one right way. 
And so through uh, these interviews with uh, national experts, we're identifying some suggestions that you might consider uh, that you could take home for yourself, suggestions that will help you learn how to make meditation a regular practice and uh, be able then to, uh, in that way, get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. So we'll be talking uh, with her tomorrow at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time through the teleseminar uh, 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 mechanism, not through the blog radio here. And you'll be able to get a link uh, to that, the phone number and the link to that teleseminar discussion with uh, Dr. Arier uh, tomorrow uh, by going to the blog. And so that's www.blog.parkinsonsrecovery.com. And uh, that's where we announce uh, her event that will be tomorrow morning, an interview with Nancy Welsh and myself. Nancy um, is uh, writing a book, Medicine Meditation, and uh, it's going to be full of all of the interviews that we've had with individuals who are the national experts on meditation. So that gives you a, a brief preview of some of the guests that are coming up on our programs. We've got Emotional Freedom Technique. We've got exercise in Parkinson's through uh, the researchers at the uh, Cleveland Clinic and uh, through uh, discussions about Race for Life, uh, which is a way of raising money for research. Um, And we've got our regular uh, 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 radio program uh, that, of course, I'm sponsoring every week uh, here at 11 o'clock on Thursday Pacific time. Uh, so let me just check in and see uh, if there's anybody out there that uh, has any particular question you'd like to ask or anything you'd like to say. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Hello? Hello? Let me check in and see if anybody's there who'd like to uh, to have any comment. Hello? Robert Rogers here. And I don't hear anybody right now. Hello? Hello, yes. Oh, Rob, I didn't know if I was um, uh, connected or not. Robert, this is Toby Schofield in Boston. Well, hello, hello, how are you? It's nice to hear from you. Nice to hear from you, and I'm doing much better. I'm doing great, actually, really. Oh, wonderful to hear. The question I have for you, because I'm always researching and looking at what to do, uh, and the latest I heard about, and I'm sure you saw about the the gentleman in Indianapolis who who learned boxing, Huh? You heard about that story? Can you tell people about that? Because other people well, wouldn't have I, heard about know, it. I, I just started on the news. Someone told me about it. I guess there's a gentleman who was pretty young in his 40s who um, was diagnosed with Parkinson's and was in a pretty bad state, and a friend of his came to the rescue and convinced him that he should take boxing lessons, and his friend was a boxer. And it really rescinded, I guess, a lot of his symptoms. Um. But the question I have for you is there's so much out there, and I still work, um, or I try to work. How do you know what to start, what to do? There's just so many things. How do you know what's best for you as an individual, me as an indi- or anyone as an individual? That really is a challenge. And as you've just described, there are so many options and possibilities out there. Right. The more that I I work on this and do research on this, the more people I find, the more possibilities we get. And they all are enticing. They all are uh, interesting. And uh, the the answer turns out to be uh, complicated. 
because, of course, the therapies that you need in the moment are going to be different than the therapies somebody else might need in the moment. And the other interesting thing about our bodies is that our needs change over time. So we select a, uh, let's say we select two therapies that we'd like to pursue now, and those, those therapies provide great help and, and relief. And then all of a sudden the body begins to shift a bit and maybe one or two new symptoms emerges and um, something else is required. And so we have to continually ask the question, what does my body need now? What does my body need now? And I think there, uh, there is a, a true challenge if we try to sort out the many options intellectually or using our minds uh, I'm a very academic, a very intellectual, a very mental person, and that tends to be my tendency. I want to do a thorough analysis of the options and, uh, and consider the pros and cons and to ask whether or not that particular option is going to help me or not and, and do a pretty thorough analysis. The, the other way to approach it is to, uh, to basically cut to the quick. Instead of going through all the intellectual or mental jibber-jabbish, is to simply ask my body and to figure out easy ways of muscle testing my body to see whether or not that's what my body says it needs in the moment. So the, the, the approach can be to uh, develop a system for muscle testing my body that works, that I know that works, that I can use continuously every day to ask the question, for example, do I keep therapy A or do I change to something else and if so what should that be now with muscle testing as I say there are a lot of different ways to do that uh, one one way is people some people have intuitive instincts about whether something is what they ought to pursue or not they get a feeling in their body and so for those particular individuals I think a key is for them to just trust those instincts so if they're listening to somebody talk, for example, about a particular therapy, uh, they can feel in their body if that's something that they need. They just instinctively know or are drawn to investigate that. So as, for example, if you have that particular sense of raw instinct, as you're listening to the interviews that I have with people or listening to various ideas of things that you can consider uh, one of the ways uh, to check is to just check inside and ask, okay, how is this feeling to me? Does, um, is, it, is my body feeling really drawn to this possibility? Am I feeling excited and hopeful? Or am I, am, I, am I pushing that away for some reason or another? Am I rejecting that for some reason or another? So is your body drawn to it or is your body rejecting it? I think the, uh, the, the, the wisdom is that the body always knows the right choices, and what we have to do is to get out of our mind and just simply ask the body, what do you need? So the challenge is, so for some people, that instinct, that raw intuitive instinct is going to always be there, and so what they need to do is just to learn how to trust it. And so if they hear about, for example, a, a Hippocrates Institute in Florida that has this wonderful dietary program that teaches you how to eat, you know, foods of one kind or another, and your instinct says, oh, that's something I need right now, and that's something you need to explore and probably go, go visit. Right. Or if the instinct uh, 
three months later is macrobiotics. And so you hear somebody discuss macrobiotics and you begin to experiment with it and your body is saying, God, I love this. This is exactly what I need. Well, that's it. You know, you don't, you don't have to go to any expert with any kind of credentials anywhere. Your body is the credentialed person. and Your body is telling you, that's what I need. Macrobiotics is what my body needs today. And the, the challenge is, it's not a permanent thing. It's that's what your body clearly needs right now. It may be for the rest of your life, but it may be you always want to consider there's something else that might need to replace that. Now, with muscle testing, you can also do that physically. So there are many different muscle testing ways that, uh, and, and, you know, the Internet is full of suggestions on ways you can muscle test by holding your arm out and having somebody push your arm down. And if your body is saying yes, you're going to be strong. If your body is saying no, you're going to be weak. Um, I think the one of the neatest ways to muscle test is to figure out a self-administered way of muscle testing uh, that works for you. Um, one of the one of the ways I've used, and again, you have to figure out the ways that work for you. One of the ways I've used that's going to sound quite weird is if I'm standing up, if I if I face north, and if I ask a very specific question, like if I'm in the grocery store and I'm looking at a particular product, and I wonder, should I? Does my body need this particular product? If I simply face north, and if I move forward, then my body is saying yes, I need that. And then if I kind of move backward, it's saying no. <laughs> and that's that's what that's the way my body, you know, literally I lean a little forward, yes. And if I lean back, my body is saying no, 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 you don't need that. So that's one easy way, and nobody nobody knows you're doing it clearly. There's another really a fascinating way that you can also use, and that way is to take your thumb and your first two fingers of either hand. It could be the left hand or the right hand. And you can take your thumb and you can roll your thumb over those first two fingers like in, in a circle. And what you can do is you can uh, you can ask questions or, for example, if you're at the health food store and you're thinking you need a, a supplement of ADHD, let's say. So you pick up a, a bottle of HDHD in one hand, and then with the other hand, with your thumb and your two fingers, just begin to rub in a circle. Just, just rub your fingers. And if the rubbing is sticky then your body is saying, no, this is not what you need. Do not buy this supplement. But if it's really smooth, your body is saying, is that's a go, that's what you actually need. Uh, so you can, you can develop this sensitivity pretty easily by putting something in your hand that you know is toxic to you. So for most people, batteries are toxic. It's got you know acid in them. And for other people, you'll know there's a certain food that you're allergic to. You can put that in your other hand. Just hold that food. And then with the other hand, your thumb and your two fingers, just begin to circle in a, in a circle. And if it kind of feels wet and sticky, then you know, oh, that's right. I'm holding something toxic in, in, in my right hand, and my body is telling me that's not anything that's very good for me to have. So you get a sense of how it feels when your body is saying yes and when your body is saying no. Uh, that's a really nifty, neat, easy way to ask your body whether or not it needs something or not. It's quick. It's, uh, it's effective, and, and my experience is that the answers sometimes are in between. You know, it's not sticky, and it's not clean. It's somewhere in between. So your body is saying, yes, no, I don't know. It's, you know, not bad, not good, whatever. But when it's bad, it really gets gummed up. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa. You're, you know, it, it's almost hard to be able to take your thumb and spin it across those two fingers. So your body really gives you a loud signal 
no, this is not what you need. So when it comes to testing out certain common things like your toothpaste you're using, for example, this is a great method to use is, uh, you know, put the toothpaste in one hand and so it's, so it's toothpaste that you've used for uh, uh, 20 years. You know, it doesn't matter. It could be that is something that's uh, provoking a toxin in your body that your body doesn't need. You can just test it out and make sure. You know, it doesn't matter what the ingredients say, whether they're healthy or not. It's kind of irrelevant. And if your body says no, then uh, you want to reevaluate whether or not that's something that you really ought to be uh, using to uh, brush your teeth. And again, you can use that for shampoo, you can use it for soap, you can use it for detergent you're using to wash your sink or your floors or whatever. And uh, so, so muscle testing, learning, uh, finding a muscle testing system that for you is an effective system, I think, is one way to be able to, to sort through the many, many options that are available. It's so easy to get overwhelmed with so many choices. Isn't that true? <laughs> right. I mean, and you're hearing, and, and how do you not only fit it in physically, but how do you fit it in financially? Financially and time and energy. Time-wise. You know, it's like uh, how much energy do you have to do all these things? So uh, I think that's exactly right, and and that's why you want to ask your body, is this worth my time to be able to devote energy to this? Um, I I really <clears throat> that's why I've, I've come to believe that one of the ways that we've begun to work is to figure out things that can be done and they're done and they're over. They're you only do them once or twice and and and, and then bloop, that's it. It's kind of like Simon King. <clears throat> that's the reason I like his work. <clears throat> Basically, Simon says, "Look, we identify the source of the toxin. People get well. That's it. You're done." <laughs> so. I really like the, uh, the the therapies. Once a person begins to feel a lot better, where you can uh, uh, go to the hit, cut to the core, hit to the source, and identify. In our case, the work we're doing is you know the core seed thoughts. So that's a real challenge. Um, I think there's something else to consider as well. If you're in a place where you've got all these options out there, and let's say you're listening to the program every week, and you're getting all these different ideas, and all of a sudden you're feeling stymied. There's just so many choices and the muscle testing thing doesn't seem to be giving any clear indications and you're doing all this analysis and can't quite sort through what's the best choice. And uh, I think uh, one of the things to do is to simply put on a list the many, many different choices and and, uh, do the following. (laughs) This is going to sound like an outrageous uh, suggestion, but uh, try it. Uh, my, My guess is it might work miracles. You get all the choices that you're considering, and let's say there are five different possibilities, and they could take the form of you're thinking of uh, uh, talking with an herbalist and, and ordering an herb, or you're talking to a person uh, who knows about essential oils and ordering some essential oils. And number three option is uh, you're talking about uh, buying, uh, let's say Simon King has a book. You could buy his book. That's the third choice. The fourth choice might be uh, cranial sacral therapy. The fifth, fifth choice might be a, a program of recovery that some person has or another. Okay, so you've got five choices. What you can do is take five uh, pieces of paper, and write uh, the choice on one side of the paper, just, just, just enough so that you know what the choice is. Fold the paper up. Fold it in, in half. Okay. So you, do, you write the choice on the five different pieces of paper. You fold those papers of, uh, up, and then you mix all those papers up. I mean, you just randomly mix them up so you don't know what choice is what choice. And then you take one of the papers, 
and you walk around whatever room you're in, and uh, you uh, you invite your body to tell you where you need to put that paper down on the floor, wherever that is. It doesn't matter where it is. So you put that paper down on the floor, wherever your body tells you to. You come back and you get the second paper. You do the very same thing. You put it down on the floor somewhere. Don't ask me what the rationale for this is. There is no rationale. You just put it down on the floor somewhere. You do that for the other three uh, pieces of paper. Then what you do is you stand on each of those papers. That's all you do. You physically stand on the paper and you wait to see how you feel. And uh, you might even write down uh, on that paper without looking inside. You might want to write down, I felt nauseous or I felt like throwing up or I felt like falling down to the floor or I felt like jumping up for joy or whatever the feeling is. So you step you step off each paper, you step on each paper, and then you just check to see how your body feels, whatever whatever that sensation, whatever that feeling is. Now, you may think this is the craziest idea imaginable. I, I have done it over and over and over again, and to my great amazement, it gives incredibly interesting and rich information about what choices are best for me. So what you want to do is is to choose the option that your body feels the best about. The body feels energized, optimistic. The feeling in your body is a very good and warm and wonderful feeling. You just look at that choice, see what it is, and, can, and rate that as the top possibility. Let your body let you know in that very mysterious way. And that allows you then to take action on one. Instead of being stuck... Uh, across all five of them, confused about which one is going to be best, all of a sudden, your body has told you in this energetic way, this is the one that I need now. It's not that the others you don't need. It's just that that's the top one for right now. You go out and you pursue that. That's what you do. And you're continually asking your body, is this good? Am I feeling better? Is this what I need? So you're you're obviously updating that as you go. That's a pretty... Interesting way. It's fun. It's engaging. It allows you to make a decision to make some, to, you know, to take some course of action. And the other news I can give to you is it always works. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but um, it gives you information that you'd otherwise not be able to get because you can't get out of the way of your mind. It's a work I learned in the training I did uh, to do something called family constellation work where we, we identify dynamics and family systems. And uh, I translated that into making just simple choices about, for example, therapies that you might want to use. So uh, consider the stand-on-the-paper choice as well. If the, if the, if the body, uh, you know, uh, muscle testing suggestions that I've given to you uh, uh, you're not comfortable with or they don't seem to work that well, then just go this way. And that, that way you get out of your mind and you allow everybody else to uh, uh, tell you what you can uh, consider doing. Thanks for calling, Toby. I really loved your question. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So you've just been listening to Parkinson's Recovery. Uh, please join us next week at the very same time at 11 o'clock, and that's what's happening at Parkinson's Recovery. That's what's happening at Parkinson's Recovery on the shores of the Puget Sound where all the men are handsome, all the women are smart, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by the simple virtue of listening to this radio program, you are on the road to recovery, and I invite you to join us next week at 11 o'clock Pacific Time for our program next week. Thank you for being with us today. Good day.